Well, that's back-to-back really frustrating losses for the Orange. We're going to talk about everything from this one because there's a lot to get to. There was play calling. There was decision-making. It's all under the coaching umbrella. This is going to be coaching heavy today on the show. We're looking forward to it. We're hot once again for this one. Locked on Syracuse coming up next. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. This is a fresh week here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Thank you on Syracuse. Your first listen every single day. Tyler Aki with you here alongside Tim Leonard. We are free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us there. We're with you five days a week. Only place to get daily Syracuse podcasts. Also on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tim's back from Vegas. Uh, he put himself off the mat this morning. I mean, uh, it has been quite the 48 hours for you, sir, but we will get into all things Syracuse because this game, I mean, this is more frustrating to me than the Florida state game. Both of them winnable. Both of them Syracuse showed that they have a winnable team. This team has the personnel to win football games. And that's the most frustrating part. And when it's higher up the tree, where you're losing these games, that's what frustrates people about this team right now. I mean, they're three and three, and they could legit be six and oh, right? And that seems far fetched. That seems crazy to be saying that. But especially at the start of the year, we never would have thought that there was a world where they'd be three and three and we'd be super angry right now at the status of right. what their record is. But that's where I'm at. I'm really frustrated about how these past couple games have ended decision-making-wise, coaching-wise, which we'll get into today, it just hurts because they're so close to being what is a legit good football team. And they're putting together performances now back-to-back weeks that could have them borderline top 25 if they just executed down the stretch and won that game last week and won against Wake. Rutgers was one thing because that was still back in the mostly DeVito-centered timeline Mm -hmm. of the season. But since they've gone to Schrader, They have looked like a very respectable football team, and they just haven't gotten enough out of it or as much out of it as they should have to this point. So looking back at the comments made by Aaron Murray week one, remember at the end of that game against Ohio, he said, this is a bowl team. And I didn't believe him then. But right now, I see a roster that is bowl caliber. Don't get me wrong. There are still warts on this team. You don't have a quality receiving core. You still struggle on the offensive line. Your defense lets up a lot late in games, but there's enough on this team to squeeze out six wins. No doubt in my mind at this point. They have have certainly changed the narrative surrounding the team to that degree. What's gotten way worse from game one to now game six is play calling, is decision-making, It's just everything has been wildly inconsistent. And and let's just start with a couple of things. I think we start with the the third down call that Dino made, end of the first half, and it's the penalty that third and 13, you get a holding call at the Wake Forest, what would that have been, the 34-yard line for Wake Forest. So holding call on an incomplete pass, would have set up a 51-yard field goal for Nick Seba. One of the best kickers in the country. However, one that also has never attempted a 50-yard field goal in his entire career. So that's another part of the the here when you're getting to this decision-making. When I look at that play, 
Like that's the penalty there. I largely am okay with it, I think. I know a lot of people were frustrated with it, but I'm pretty much okay with you pushing a team like Wake Forest out of field goal range and trusting that your defense is going to make a stop on third and 23. Because if you can't trust your defense to make a stop on third and 23, quite frankly, you're not a good football team. I'm glad we're in agreement here because I'm largely okay with that one as well. Out of all the ones that are being criticized that are being talked about, that's not the one that is keeping me up at night or really frustrating me at this stage. Now, it's frustrating because would he have made the kick? We don't know. Dino says he saw him kicking from 58 in warmups and nailing them, which is one thing to do in the warmups. I would have felt and pretty... It is a dome, and I know he hasn't attempted a 50-yarder, but that's a good kicker. He hit a game-winner last week. He was nailing them right down the middle, and I would have felt worried if he went out there that he was going to make the field goal. And if he did make the field goal, I could see us talking about this and criticizing the decision that way. So that's not the one that really bugs me. What bugs me is they got the third and 23 because I really feel like Dino – he kind of crunched the numbers right on that one. They don't yeah. usually get a third and 23 against a good defense. And it's different this year because I know we gave up 40 points if you count the overtime, but this defense is actually good. And I trust them in that type of situation at home. I'm looking at every single Dino decision this year that's been hyper-criticized, right? And I feel like the outcome bias of it all has really stung him. He's just been a victim of a lot of raw, like a lot of like the chance of you getting third and 23. I don't have the book in front of me right now, but I'd imagine the chance of you picking up a third and 23 is less than 5%, right? Yeah. And okay, maybe you make the field goal a little bit closer, but you're trusting that your defense doesn't let them get 10 yards at that point. Like picking up a, a third right. and 23, very unlikely, but really as long as they don't pick up third and... If they don't pick up 18 yards there, you're pretty much in the same situation as you were prior to it. Yeah, I guess that's the thing is that they could pick up some chunk yardage and then be in that same situation. So that's worth considering and talking about as well. I, I do think you're onto something, though. The outcome bias has cost them in this. Uh, and it's cost Dino, at least, in sort of the decisions and how they've been scrutinized and criticized. But at the same time, he's had to make a lot of tough decisions this year probably more than really any other year that I remember Dino in-game decision-wise. And he's pretty much missed on all of them. Like, in terms of what the result we got out of right. it, mm -hmm. it was he hasn't in a lot of scenarios. Yeah. The, the logic has case. been there on a lot yeah. of... I, I, I'm not as against a lot of the decisions that he has made. It's just he's been bitten in the ass by what the outcome is. This being one of them, I think you go back to the Florida State game too when he went for it on fourth down in the in the first quarter. I think there's all sound logic behind his decisions, but a lot of it has not come to fruition with a lot of with uh, the way that the results have come about. Yeah, should he be getting criticized as much as he should? I mean, I hesitate to say no, but I also don't think like it's a tough situation because. What really cost them this game is the two-point conversion, which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. And I had more of a problem with that fourth and two when they're at a 45-yard field goal for Andre Schmidt. So I guess it was yes. the 27-yard line. 
that's the one that I am thinking about today as we're yes. doing this podcast. Okay. Out of those two decisions. Let's get to that one in a little bit because th there's a lot of different decisions that we're going to break down. The decision to go for it for two points a couple of times in this game. We'll, the one that didn't end up getting pulled off. Right. We'll get to all of that and more. Also, I've got thoughts on Sterling Gilbert once again, as I do pretty much every single show since Garrett Schrader has taken over at quarterback. But First, I want to tell you about prize picks. All right, college football fanatics, this is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. Tim loves it, and we know that you're going to love it too. Prize picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid major players who you might not even have heard of before. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even picks. So all your users that deposit and use the promo code locked on will get a 100% instant deposit match. Again, use the promo code locked on and you will get a 100% instant deposit match. Pick two to five players with an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. You can even cross sport. Guess what? Tim. We're less than a month now till college basketball starts. You can get a little buddy oh and a little gosh. Sean Tucker thing going NBA with these starts props. this week, right? It's That's crazy. Everything's coming yeah. up right now. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. So don't hesitate. Check out Prize Picks today. Use the promo code Locked On or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's get into that fourth down call, too, with, with Andre Schmidt. And I think seeing Andre Schmidt struggle a little bit, it's sort of a regression to the mean. Like, he was so good that first year. Yeah. And I feel like we see this a lot with kickers. They actually get worse with experience, it feels like. There's the rare breeds that go out there that make it in the NFL, like the Vinatieri's, like the Guskowski's, that go on and have long, successful careers. But a lot of them, you see them start to crumble at a certain point, which is really, really fascinating to see. So getting into this decision here, Dino decides to leave or to send the kicking team out, fourth sure. down, two to go, 45-yard attempt. I didn't like the call, and it seems like you didn't either. No, and he's made a lot of bad decisions in fourth and short situations when you're in plus territory or you're in Wake Forest territory in this instance. He's, I mean, in his entire Syracuse career, it feels like he has not been on the he's ball. He's always been aggressive, and that's the thing. Yeah. Is he's always we never get to be aggressive. So, right, it's, it's weird because I don't feel like we have a great – game plan or a great offense for a fourth and short right now, which maybe I shouldn't say because I guess we've got two guys that are running a lot in our offensive line, despite being battered, despite being used a lot, despite being down three key offensive linemen is still producing a decent level in terms of rushing and producing some run holes for Sean Tucker. So there's something to be said about that, but you know, Andre Smith, you're right. I think it was very predictable that he would have this regression to the mean. I think back to his freshman year, we didn't even know who he was. He's a walk-on. He probably didn't even think he was starting until he was nailing kicks in practice. 
He also was a soccer player up until senior year of high school, didn't even try football. So the whole thing was such a whirlwind for him. And now going into his sophomore year and junior and senior year, he's got expectations on him that he never had that freshman year. And he's kind of just what he is now. He's probably an average kicker. I was worried, and we'll get to the two-point play, but I was terrified he was going to miss the PAT after the delay of game. <laughs> and that would have been a total disaster if that happened. Right. So my problem is that you're not consistent with your decision-making because of the fact yeah. that, I mean, you have an all-American level back with Sean Tucker. Like, that is established right now. Sean Tucker has that ability. You've got a quarterback who, in this game, ran for almost 200 yards. Right. The calculus there is that you've got two guys. And listen, Wake Forest had zero clue who had the ball 75% of the time. Zero <laughs> yeah. clue. When they were they running really those did. read options, when they were doing play action, Wake Forest defense had zero clue what this team was doing in the running game. And it was apparent when you've got two guys going for over 100 yards in the game. So I look at this decision as you have the ability to get two yards here and push your momentum forward, right? Like, you're, we said this too in all of our previews. You're not going to beat this team by settling for field goals. The only way you're going to yeah. beat this Wake Forest offense is by going for touchdowns. And I want to see that mentality. And it feels like this was a perfect time to do that. And everything that we've seen from Dino Babers is that he wants to score touchdowns instead of field goals and play a more aggressive style of football as opposed to conservative. I think pretty much every decision he made in this game outlined that, except for this one. And that's why it makes no sense to me. Yeah, that's the one that I think Dino's regretting right now. I mean, he's probably regretting the two-point play and how he went about it and the communication, but so I guess he's regretting both of these, but I don't think he really cares about that first half one. I think he would do the first half one again. I don't think that was like spur of the moment he overthought it or anything like that, or he didn't crunch the numbers right. I think he took in the information there, went with what he thought. It didn't pay off. This one, I just don't see the logic because Andre Schmidt, when he lined up for that 45-yarder, I was terrified. It just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because we're care we care so much about the situation, but, and it was a big moment, big game. I just don't feel like Schmidt is making those field goals right now, which is not something I thought I would say, but that's the reality of it. And that has to play a huge factor in these decisions going forward. I also want to bring some numbers to the light here too, with, with how Sean Tucker was used. Cause he, he had a fantastic game. Obviously he scores the big touchdown yeah. at the end, right? He, he was great in this game. Very but the pleased way that, with his performance. Right. Everyone was very pleased. I mean, <laughs> he had a he had a great tweet once again, but I, you can kind of tell I think he's getting frustrated because he knows he's putting up performances that he should be tweeting out, and we won the game at yeah, the end right. of the tweet. Like <laughs> he knows that he is playing well enough to be a winning running back and, and really be an NFL running back at this point. Yeah. Um, but I crunched the numbers here a little bit and I think that the biggest problem I have right now with the way Syracuse is managing their offense is that they see a negative or a very small gain on second down running the football because they're so predictable at this point, right? They're going to run the football on first down every single time. And, and why wouldn't you, okay? Whether it's Schrader, whether it's Tucker, doesn't matter. But they see a negative or a neutral gain on first down and shy away from the run. I'm cool with you running it back with Tucker on second and eight, second yeah. and nine, or Schrader second and eight, second and nine. I, I look through some of these numbers here. So on scoring drives, okay, let me lay it out for you here. 
Sean Tucker touched the ball. First drive, the first scoring drive, four of nine times. Second scoring drive, six of 10 plays. Third scoring drive, second or two of nine, but Schrader ran a lot on that drive. Okay. Third one or fourth one here, two of five on the touchdown, but both of his runs were for at least 14 yards. Then there was the two-minute drill at the end where he touched it on three of 11, but it's a two-minute drill. You're not going to necessarily rely on the the run. And then in overtime, he touched it on two of five. The non-scoring drives. You want to see his touches because it's kind of despicable. One of three. One of three. Zero of four. I mean, can you imagine not giving Sean Tucker the ball once on a drive? Yeah. One of three. One of six. One of six. Three of five, but that was the missed field goal by by Schmidt. So he set he up set up the the scoring play, but the kicker didn't do his job. And then one of three. So pretty much the entire time he is getting one touch on these non-scoring drives. That's abandoning the run on second down, and you've got a back who's going for six yards of carry. Yeah, but the, so the tough thing is to play devil's advocate. The guy still carried it, what, 26 times in this game or something like that? Mm -hmm. He's still getting so much workload to the point that I'm worried about him getting injured, and I'm worried they're overusing him. So what you're arguing is, all right, let's make sure we use him more. But But it's the timeliness of using him, Okay, so I get that a little bit. It hurts, too, in this game that they didn't have Abdul Adams because that, I think, would have changed the way that this maybe played out because, A, Adams has gotten a lot better. I think we've seen it. And mm-hmm. I mean, you had both him and Schrader carry the ball, I think over 25 times in this game. Yeah. So there was certainly a lot of running. I think Syracuse ran the ball a lot. It's just when they chose to run at times. Why would you not go back to Tucker on second down a lot more often? I think that's part of the problem. I hear that a little bit. The, the tough part is to go all in on what you're saying is, you know, two weeks ago, we were arguing that Sean Tucker should get less carry so he doesn't get hurt. So it's right. tough for me to, it's a tough balancing act that Gilbert and Dino are running right now. And, you know, I, I want to talk about Gilbert's play calling because I know you're passionate about it. I know it's not mm. great right now, but I also, I do have to give him some credit, I feel like, because they're putting up points. They are scoring. And this yeah. is now back-to-back games. I mean, they get to 37 in this game, 34 of them come in regulation. They drove down the field when they needed it. And Florida State, after a really rough start, which we totally disagreed with how they came out of the gates game plan wise, they adjusted. And I mean, they were down three offensive linemen in this game. I don't think Wake Forest is a great defense, but at the end of the day, if, if the offense is putting up 34 points, it's hard for me to get too mad at the play car, especially considering they have limitations. And like you said, Somehow Wake Forest could not figure out where that ball was going. They've totally revamped this offense to cater to Schrader. And I do think Gilbert deserves some credit. I understand he's not perfect. I understand he probably played a part in the two-point play as well. But I'm not ready to just fire the guy. I think they're putting up points, which there's something to be said about that. The fact that they had all these things work for them in the first half, and then they go away from it. It's like they're trying to catch Wake Forest off guard by going away from things that worked for you in the first half. That's my problem. Sterling Gilbert's done a good job at calling halves of football. He has not done a good job of calling games of football this season. It's also, though, like... He's trying to use, like, some art of surprise, too. He's trying to use this art of surprise, like, oh, this... This wasn't working in the first half, so it's going to work in the second half. No, it, like Garrett Schrader cannot pass from the pocket, okay? He just can't. Right. 
which is amazing that they're scoring 37 points considering because that fact. they because he goes away from the stuff that works and, and when he's using Sean Tucker the right way and when he's using Garrett Schrader the right way this works and then he opts back to try out some of these other things to try to be the smartest guy in the room and it doesn't work and then the offense goes to a halt so I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I don't want him to overuse Schrader and Tucker. And I think someone even asked Dino a question about that post game. Like, all right, we're at the stage of the season here where there's still six ACC games left. And these guys have been taking a beating. And the offensive line has been taking a beating. And it's starting to show maybe a little bit because we're down three of our six offensive linemen for a bulk of this game. Somehow they're still managing to find ways to move the football. But I don't know. I don't think Sterling Gilbert is a great play caller. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not ready to just blame him solely for all these losses when they're scoring 37 points and they're doing it by being entirely one dimensional. I mean, it's kind of baffling that they are moving the ball as much as they are when Garrett Schrader is not throwing the ball accurately when he gets the chance to, and their offensive line is beaten up pretty good. I just don't understand going away from the stuff that works. That's the part that absolutely can like run it until it doesn't work. That is what I'm asking for right now. I if it stops working, is, all right. But there's so yeah. many dimensions that you can run out of these sets. You can get Schrader on the outside where he actually is a competent thrower. You can get him on the outside where he can use the threat of his legs. You can also use Sean Tucker in the, the running game. You can use Garrett Schrader in the running game. Like there's, there's, Yes, you're one-dimensional to a degree, but there is still the ability. He just doesn't roll Garrett Schrader out. Look at Garrett Schrader's numbers. We'll do this tomorrow on the show because we don't have enough time yeah. today, but the play action versus the non-play action stuff. It's baffling how much better he is when he gets out of the pocket, uses his legs. It's unbelievable, and they go away from it. So I think you're right. He should roll out Garrett Trader more. But at the same time, if we looked at what he is given and what he is producing, it's hard to get too mad at the guy because I don't know how he's doing it, but some of these zone runs that he's introduced this year are really working. And I don't know if another offensive coordinator will be able to get as much as he's so got. So why don't you keep Tucker doing it? Trader. So why don't you keep? That's my problem. Why don't you keep doing it? Because I don't it's want them to get hurt, to work. and I, I don't want to overuse them. And I think you also have to mix it up some, or else they'll be too predictable. They already are predictable, and they're already borderline on that edge. He introduced some Courtney Jackson stuff in this game that I thought was Courtney good. actually had a very good game in this yeah, one. He did. I, I went and back and watched in... a lot of it. He was really good. He was really good. You know where he was really good, too? Really good in run blocking. He had some crack blocks that were really, yeah. really solid across formations. So I don't know. They have no wide receivers that I really trust. They're down a lot of guys skill-wise. They're down Abdul Adams. They're down. I just don't think it's all on Sterling Gilbert that they're struggling. I would probably rather have a different offensive coordinator if I could pick right now because he's made some head-scratching decisions. Some of the red zone stuff I haven't totally agreed with, but that's going to happen. At the end of the day, he's getting results. He's putting points on the board given a very tough hand, I would say. And I think Schrader is a great player. I think Tucker is an unbelievable player. So I'm not trying to say that that takes anything away from them, but it's a pretty predictable offense that is scoring a lot of points against ACC competition and more points than I thought they would. I just find it hard to say he's got a tough hand when he's got a guy who is an all-American level running back right now. Yes, like and that. I hear that, but also he was a three-star back who is you know, looking like an all-American, and there's got to be some Gilbert in that as well. I think, Sean, again... I think we're sort of in more agreement than we uh, realize here, mm -hmm. but 
it's tough to argue too much when Sterling Gilbert is getting points out of the Syracuse offense. It's a wonky offense. It's weird. I'd like to see him roll out Schrader more, but he's still getting points on the board. All right. I, I do think Gilbert is at a lot of fault, too, with how the clock management has gone. I'll get to that because that ties into the two-point conversion that's got a lot of people wondering what if after this game. So we will do that in just a little bit. But first, did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? And when you talk with a Built Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know all the flavors, well, you're missing out. Tim and my favorite is always the peanut butter brownie. They've got something for everyone, whether you like fruit flavors, whether you like to load it up with chocolate, some other sweet stuff with salted caramel. If you haven't tried them all, you can get a mix box too where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors and they're super healthy for you. They've got 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar and only four net carbs. So order today and get that raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Getting into this two-point conversion here. First, I want your reaction, because we haven't really talked about this game between each other, because you were in Vegas. Right. Um, but the decision to go for two at the end, even though the play never got off, did you like the decision to go for two? Absolutely. I, I thought they should have been with thinking you. that from the get-go. Now, it sounds like Dino wasn't thinking that initially, then he saw the momentumness of the Sean Tucker play, I guess is what he was saying, and how he got into the end zone and mm -hmm. how the crowd's going nuts. And he said, all right, let's win it right here, I guess. But I just don't think that that was handled right. And he should have been at least tell the guys, all right, if we we have the option of going for two here and we're strongly considering it so that they're mm -hmm. not celebrating and there's more urgency there. I definitely would have gone for two, though. I was very disappointed that we didn't get to see the two-point play. Because I had a pretty good feeling we were going to get it. As did I. And listen, that's all. There's no credence to what we are saying about, oh, they would have gotten. There's no way to tell, right? Obviously, because the play never went off. But what I will say is this, is the general math. You are an underdog, all right? You are not the better football team, okay? The more you lengthen the game out, the mm -hmm. more things will regress to the mean, right? So the more you lengthen this game out, the more it, it favors a team like Wake Forest because they're a better offense than you. And, and let's be honest, overtimes are very offensive-based in, in the college game. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to go for two there. I thought it was the right call. I know a lot of people said, nah, like you, you're at home. Home or road, it doesn't matter. Home or road, it does, if anything, if you're at home, you have the crowd on your side. You have them being quiet. You will not get a false start or whatever, the craziness that might happen. So that's why I say you are given an advantage there by going for two. You might as well try it. And if you lose the game by one, you lose the game by one, all right? Like, the, right. listen, Syracuse played a pretty good football game here. They went toe-to-toe yeah, -to -toe with a ranked opponent. They go down swinging. I'd be totally cool with it as long as it was a good play call, which who knows what, what would have happened knowing Sterling Gilbert. Mm -hmm. But – I think the other conversation here is that falls a lot on Dino, in my opinion. That it well, here's why happen. I don't think it does, okay? And I know you don't, but go ahead. Mm -hmm. So you could hear the color commentator. I can't remember who, who was on the game, and I, I apologize for that. But you can hear him say, while the, the TV graphic has a 40 on the play clock, they're sending the offense out there to go for two. 
And that to me is my biggest frustration is that Sterling Gilbert had 40 seconds. And, and listen, look at the offense trying to get there on the field too. They had zero sense of urgency. They looked yeah, like they wanted to take the one. And that's right. a problem. Listen, so Dino Babers is a lot at fault for a lot of things that have happened with this program and in this game. But if you're going to ask him to handhold Sterling Gilbert for 60 minutes of football, that's not his job. It's not his job to hold hands. At some point, Sterling Gilbert has to be a big boy and make these calls and make them with assertion and get them to the players, too. Yeah, but he's also the head coach and a lot of the decisions. So what's he supposed to do? Go rogue and make a play call himself? Well, that's what I don't get. The problem, the if fact you have that he a problem was thinking with... one and then changed to two has me concerned. I don't like that at all. I don't think you ever change your mindset in that situation because it's then rattling and then the Syracuse players are trying to figure it out. It seems like they told them, all right, we're going for one if we get this. Then the play happens. Then they go to the huddle and they're like, so they're not, they're celebrating like crazy because they're not worried about the next play as much. When but if they the knew that they were going for they two, should have. Th that's on the players then, because if you don't think it's a possibility that, that you could, because the coach has to communicate that and say, not right, necessarily. Well, I think that should just be an internal play. Like a, as a player, you should know that going for two is a possibility there, unless somewhere along the pipeline it was communicated we are going for one no matter what, which we'll probably never know whether or not that was the case. Unless that was communicated, then it's a hundred percent on Dino. But I just don't think that's the case. I don't think you tell your players we are going for one no matter what here. I don't think he would have said that, but I think he – it seemed like he did tell them one. Now, it sounds like their Bergeron never got the play call from Tucker, and, and Stephen Bailey did a good job touching on mm -hmm. some of that stuff. That probably – I mean, it's, it's not like it's all on Dino or all on Sterling Gilbert, but when you're the head coach and that happens, that's pathetic. You, you can't let that happen. And I do think, yes, the players should have had more urgency. Yes, they should have – gotten to the line more and not celebrate as much. But at the same time, if you're the coach, you tell them, all right, if we score a big play here, I understand that's going to be reason for celebration. But guys, we got to be locked in and be ready for whatever decision we choose. And we've struggled with sort of getting lined up in the past. And I know it's just things are moving quickly there, but I, I think mm -hmm. some of it does fall on Dino and it's disappointing. Some of it that does it happen that way. It's just when I see the repeated trend of plays not getting into Gilbert or to um Garrett Schrader. And who knows, maybe some of this is on Garrett Schrader too, that he's not processing things quick enough either and getting things out in the huddle as well. And that could be him being new to the offense, learning these concepts, all that stuff. Again, it's a tough situation. I just cannot fathom how you have a play caller that cannot get the plays in to the quarterback. And it happens three times a game. I mean, it happened, yeah. what, twice in that first half, too? Completely changed the way that you manage that end of first half. You might come away with a field goal at the end there. And I don't know either. I mean, Sean Tucker, I guess, was relaying it to the offensive line. Maybe it's on him some. It's just it's tough to say without knowing exactly. But based on what Dino has said about how he thought, all right, I'm going to go for one, and then it changed my mind, I just don't like that thought process and if you're going in thinking that you might change your mind just make sure you tell your players so that they're not celebrating and they do have that urgency because yes the player should have been better but also that falls on Dino to get them into a better position and put it through their head that this is going to be potentially a two-point play and we have to be urgent here and also I mean Sterling should have had a two-point play ready to go like he should have had something in mind that entire drive too yeah it was a possibility listen the coaching was Awful in this game. It's pathetic for I mean, the game. Every single yeah. one, every single one should be held at fault for what happened in this game. 
uh, even listen, we love Tony Ward. All right. There were, or Tony White. I'm confusing him with Brian Ward right, because right. he did some Brian Ward things in, in that game, to be honest. <laughs> but every single, even he had his flaws in that game. So the coaching top to bottom is just, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling that can, it can be this bad. And you're in yeah. year, what, six now for Dino Babers? The fact that it has gotten to this point where you are losing games, not because of personnel, but because of coaching at this point, it, it really, really is frustrating. Yeah. Uh, right, real quick before we go, I guess this is something we can talk about tomorrow. But if you, if one person got fired tomorrow and you could pick Dino or Gilbert, which one oh, you would you say would be better? You know my answer. Gilbert? I, it's Gilbert. He's got to yeah. go. Like, he's got to go. He doesn't adjust. I think he that's tries, a fun conversation. He tries to over adjust yeah. to every single situation out there. And he goes away from the stuff that works. I, I like. I am giving you, like, let's say you're on the you're on the highway, all right, and your car runs out of gas. I am giving you one tank of water and one tank of fuel. He's taking the water and loading it into the car. That's what he's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think he's been great. I don't think Dino's been great. I don't know which way I'd lean right now, but maybe and that's listen, something that people can tweet at us. Their that, that's another thing too: is one hired the other. Like yeah, Dino that, hired Gilbert. Down. That's a good point. And again, yeah. that's on Dino. You have to do your homework on stuff like this. Like he's not a good play caller. He just isn't. And, and that's yeah. the frustrating part right now with all of it. All right. We've got plenty more thoughts. We're going to flesh him out a little bit more tomorrow. Some Garrett Schrader stuff, some Sean Tucker stuff, more on the play calling and decision-making. I mean, 35 minutes or whatever right, right now, not enough for all the stuff that we have to get off our chest. So we will do that on tomorrow's show. Be sure to subscribe. Thank you for making Locked on Syracuse your first listen every single day. Go check out Locked on ACC because I'm sure they've got some Syracuse thoughts as well. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs>